I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Let me just say, the best tool for marriage is the Holy Spirit. That's for sure. Um, so, so should we pray for Rob and Amy this morning? Clearly, yeah. We all are so worried about Rob being a slacker. That's probably yeah, yeah. it. I finally decided to give it a try. Give it a shot. <laughs> so far, so good. So far, so good. Oh, I hope I don't ruin it for you. You'll never. <laughs> okay, so we all know our class is about discipleship. And let me just say, as I look out in the audience, I think I can't think of another group I'd like to gather together to have this little chat about the Holy Spirit and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and what does that mean? Last week, Lincoln talked about redemption, um, and it was great. I, it's one of those topics I don't know that we frequently even use that term, um, but, it, but it was really good and a good reminder. Um, Mike is teaching next week on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, so we're going to give the Holy Spirit a good run around the block here. Um, so before we... Get started. Here's our core truth. I didn't do the PowerPoint. Sorry, Carrie. Um, but the, the question is, how are we empowered by God to want to follow Jesus? I thought that's an interesting question, isn't it? So I'm going to, uh, you know, I always have to start with the story. So here's the story. Years ago, my daddy was an executive for Reynolds Aluminum, which some of you probably heard of. Reynolds Wrap, right? Everybody's heard of Reynolds Wrap. Well, Reynolds Aluminum, and my mom was probably in her mid-30s, and they went to a big fancy convention where you wear long gloves and an evening gown, and mama was nervous. Um, so when they got there, there was a group of ladies talking, and mama thought, well, I'm just going to go over there, and I'm going to join in the conversation because I need to figure out how to do this hobnobbing thing now that he's got this job. So she went over and a lady was very kind and said, oh, come and join us. I was just telling everyone about these beautiful Siamese kittens that I have. And Mama goes, that is so interesting. Where were they joined? <laughs> and then she said, at that time she thought, that's not what she meant by Siamese kittens, right? So we've often teased my mama whenever she'd say something that wasn't quite right. We go, is this Siamese kitten kind of thing for you, mom? And I tell you that story because the Holy Spirit is often the same way. We've all had that moment where we thought, is this from the Spirit or am I misinterpreting what I'm hearing and getting the wrong idea? So that's really what we're going to talk a little bit about this morning is the Holy Spirit, how He manifests Himself in our life. Here's something I think you'll probably all agree, but let's talk about this for just a minute. But our experience shapes our theology. Our experience shapes our theology. So when it comes to your theology about the Holy Spirit... How has your experience shaped it, would you say? Would you grow up, what's your basis of a theory about the Holy Spirit? Or where'd you start? He was pretty invisible. Okay. Invisible in that you weren't aware of him or didn't perceive him? Didn't or? talk much about it. Didn't okay. wasn't taught much about him. Okay. There wasn't a whole lot of Holy, Holy Spirit talk. No. Mm -hmm. There was about zero 
where I went to church in rural southern middle Tennessee. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I grew up being taught the Spirit is in the Bible, in the Word of God, and um, it's kind of hemmed up there. And it was kind of an it. Uh, and if anything you wanted to know, it was because the Holy Spirit told these men to write it down. That was the work of the Holy Spirit. It didn't occur to me back then, okay, well, what happened before there was a printing press and there was a Bible? You know, how did all that get communicated? Well, apparently there was a big black hole and he didn't do anything. But that well, was, when I say he was, he was discussed in biblical times, but it was never talked about how he is still present today. Okay. So maybe he did some things before, but then he kind of took a step back. Yeah. Okay. Jeannie, I didn't, I didn't grow up in churches of Christ, and so um, what I did, as you probably well know, I got a healthy dose of it. But uh, I was a Cumberland Presbyterian, and we had a we had a pretty healthy view of the Holy Spirit because there was a an accompanying um, event in your uh, profession of faith that was the gift of the Holy Spirit personally in your life as a as a guide and a source of strength. So there was an emphasis there? Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. So when I came to the Churches of Christ and heard what you just said, uh-huh. I said sometimes I think the Church of Christ folks just, just uh, need to they're going to be in well by the Spirit, then you can grind the Bible up, take the pop off your head, and pour it in. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you're in Doyle? Yeah, yeah, that's how I got off to a really bad start. <laughs> I, I will say this, though. my Those of you in this room, and I know most of you, I would say that you would agree with me that you don't want to miss out on the fullness of what the Spirit in your life is meant to be. I mean, I'm, I'm just... Um, well, I was going to say obsessed sounds too strong, but probably not. To just truly be consumed with wanting not to miss one thing about abundant life. And um, I think Josh said it this morning, it's not a matter of being saved after we die. It's abundant life here and now. That's what kingdom life is all about. So let's see what the Bible has to say about this. And interestingly, the Holy Spirit in the New Testament Give me a guess how many times you think Holy Spirit's in the New Testament. Just don't say 2,000. That's too many. Uh, I'll just tell you 261 times. So it's interesting how we'll hang a lot of theology on something that might come up twice, but then we ignore something in there 261 times. He's in there a lot. Um, What I'd like to do is let's go to uh, Romans. (coughs) Romans chapter 8. Uh, there's two main passages. Once again, we've got 261 to choose from, so trying to decide where to kind of focus our time was interesting. Romans chapter 8, there's a big section here about the work of the Spirit. And keep in mind, Paul had just finished that passage. I know we're all familiar with. I call it, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck? But it's that. The thing I want to do is the thing I can't do, and the thing I want to do is the thing, you know. At the end, he goes, oh, what a mess I am. And then he turns right around and says, but I've got some really great news for you. Um, I'm going to, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes, and I'm going to read verses 9 through 11 to you from the message. 
And when we finish, I want you to say <coughs> what jumped out at you, what kind of rang for you in this passage. So close your eyes while I read these three verses. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life now on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bring you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. Okay, what jumped out at you? I'm going about his presence in our lives. Yeah. I mean, it's like, if you believe in Jesus, this is, it's connected. What God did in Jesus is connected. Along with that for me, it was that God placing residence in you. And I think what we talked about some last week is sometimes it's hard for me to think God would want to do that. Yes. Like, I'm not good enough. I haven't done enough. Yes. But just that doesn't matter. He wants to live in you in the presence. Yes. How comforting that is. Yes. Oh, yes. It's like, this isn't a maybe or a got to do this first or it's, he's all in. Which verses was it? Nine through eleven. Okay. Yeah, and it was the message. Yeah, I understand. I'm um, just like I can't even figure out which verses that was. Because <laughs> <laughs> of the way it's read. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anything else jump out at you? For me, it was um, just welcome. Like that's all we need. We just need to welcome it. And so many times I've shut the door. And it's it, it makes it almost sound so easy. And you're like, why did I make this so hard? I think, it, I think it's hard for you to take credit for the good things that come out come out of you in treating other people because it's not you, it's you. It is you, it's you in cooperation with the Spirit. It's Him in you. Right, right. Wayne? You, you read a word, if, one time. If you let it in. And that's where so many folks, I think, is what's so, you know. We put too many ifs. Well, we just we just don't win. Yeah. We're, we're, we're you know you're afraid because you know if you're a fifties or sixties kid, you know it was a, it was squashed and you were categorized, you know if you got too spiritual, you didn't cause Yeah, we did kind of segment things if, out like that. Yes, you let me. And that's pretty. It makes a huge difference when you. Huge. And did you see the phrase in there about you're still going to fight the life of sin? I mean, that's still part of your essence. It's just it takes on a whole different, a different, um, you look at it differently. And you have the spirit within you to deal with it. You've got that. What did it call it? Your Christ, let's see, your God. 
there was a phrase, God in you, God himself in you. Uh, and you're just as alive as Christ if he's living in you. Wow, that's kind of, that's big time. Can you reverse all As it is in here. Uh, you know how he doesn't divide up the, let's see. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive, that's it, alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. Say that part where he... He will, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus. Uh, doesn't it fit that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life? To me, the thing that I missed about the Holy Spirit was relationship. He moved into my life. The NIV has that if he power that's living in you who raised Jesus from the dead give life to your mortal bodies uh, who lives in you. Something can't be in me and me not have a relationship with it. That's the only way for it to happen. And to know that there's this relationship that I've got someone that I can personally depend upon, but trust in uh, that is God in me. And He also tells us here that it, uh, it gives life to your mortal bodies. Yes. So you ask the question, how can I discern? Is it giving me life? And that's life. Yeah. That goes back to the voice. You said, I'll hear a voice and I'll think, I don't think that. You're right, because it's not life-giving. It can't be from the Spirit if it's not life-giving. And boy, that just separates a lot of decisions, doesn't it? And it's not the technicalities. It's, is this life-giving or life-taking? And oftentimes, it's the Spirit helping to make those discernments. I heard an illustration one time Max Licato talked about with the Spirit that I, it really has kind of stuck in my head for 10 years. But he said, imagine that you decide you want to learn how to dance. And being a rational, cerebral kind of person, you think, fine, I'll go get a manual. Because that's how I learned how to do accounting and that's how I learned to use my computer. So I went and got a manual and I read the book. I did everything it said. When it told me to sway, I would sway. It said shuffle, and I shuffled. I even cut out little paper footprints and put them on the floor so I could follow the pattern. I'm exhausted. I've done great. My daughter comes in, and she says, what are you doing? And I said, listen, I am learning how to dance. She says, great, show me. And I go through all the motions, and then I say, I killed it, didn't I? And she goes, yeah, you killed it. You missed the most important thing. And I said, what's that? And she goes, Mom, where's the music? So then when she turns the music on, then the mechanical movement makes way more sense. It's not the movement that was important. It's listening to the music. And he used the analogy, the spirit being the music in our life, which goes back to relationship. And that's it. We all know how music touches some, something in us. I cry every Sunday because it'll be something in a song that touches, that's, that's the spirit that's touching because music does that. In the same way, you can't 
how do you describe music? And how do you, you, you just say, well, you just kind of have to feel it and experience it. That's, I thought, what a great analogy for getting everything just right, but looking at it from the outside is just a bunch of worthless movement. And it doesn't serve any purpose. In fact, it's just exhausting. Um, your desire to hear the music is pleasing to God. It's not that we wait until we get it right that we feel like we've pleased Him because I've tried that for a long time. I know y'all have told, I've told y'all before I am a striving survivor because I have set striving aside because in that striving you don't ever arrive versus you hear the music and every day is a whole new song and you're just not really sure where that song is going to take you that day and that's, that's the spirit being alive within you. Um, there's another passage where I'd like us to go and look. Let's see what Jesus says about the Spirit. Somehow, I didn't hear all this growing up, and we were red-letter people, let me just say. I'm not <laughs> sure what we did with this part of John, but John 14, 15, and 16, um, I often say this passage reminds me of what we did to our children when we took them to college. I think Jesus was feeling this way with his disciples. It's like, I got one last shot, guys. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know because I've got you all hemmed up right here. These are important things. Well, let's look at John. Um, we're going to look in John 16, but John 14 is where he gives a section and talks about the Holy Spirit. He's trying to comfort his disciples. Uh, in 14, he promises the Holy Spirit, but let's go over to John 16. Let's see, who's got that and can read 5 through 15? Carolyn, have you got that? Yes, John 16, 5 uh -huh. through 15. Yes. <clears throat> but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Okay, consider this picture. These disciples are upset, okay? Things are not going well. And then Jesus says, I'm leaving. So imagine their lives turned upside down, all of this upheaval. Um, these guys had credibility because they were following a rabbi. And they weren't people who came up through the Jewish traditions of you had to memorize the Talmud and do all of these things and the smartest of the smartest of the smart worked their way to the top. They're fishermen who got catapulted up to status because they're following a rabbi. And now all the wheels are falling off 
and something's not going well, and in the middle of this, Jesus says, actually, it's better for me to leave. But why is it better for him to leave? What does he say in this passage? I mean, if anything gives weight to the Spirit and the impact of the Spirit and what the Spirit is intended, what He is supposed to be doing for them and for us, it's enough for it to be better for Jesus Himself to have left. Have you thought about that? That's, that's really something. Jesus was limited by flesh and blood, right? So when He was in you know, Nazareth, He couldn't be in Jerusalem at the same time But where's the Holy Spirit? He's everywhere. In my Bible, it calls him the Counselor with a capital C, which, boy, you know, it's like therapy you didn't have to pay for. Um, I mean, when the Spirit goes deep, if you were in first service and he talked about that iceberg, when the Spirit goes to the depths and the essence of who you are and speaks Jesus' truth into those nooks and crannies, that's a Counselor. That's a, and the thing about counselor is they walk along beside you along the way. That's what this word here actually means. Did anything else jump out at you when you were reading this? I mean, this is a quite profound promise. English Standard Version says helper. Chapter 6. Helper? Mm-hmm. Okay. And that same place, I guess, where mine said counselor. What did yours say, Karen? Advocate. Advocate. Yours That's said advocate. What other, do you all have any other words that you're... Um, Encourager. That's awesome. Back to Mike's point, this is relationship. You're not counseled or encouraged or helped by facts or by an acquaintance as much as this ongoing relationship. And that's what he says in this passage. And once again, I'm thinking, how did I... I'll tell you what I was told. I was told, so this all happened on Pentecost, and then he bailed. Well, no, he went to Cornelius' house, and then he bailed. Well, he hung around for a generation, and then he bailed, right? But that's not what I hear Jesus promising here. Yeah, was it more like the Spirit was alive and well until we got the written Word? Perhaps. Until until the Word was established. Perhaps. And perhaps it was the enemy's trick. He's like, okay, I can't get these people to leave this Jesus altogether, so what I'll do is distract them with something that appears to be the essence, and it goes back to the dancing analogy. So they'll have some things that they can measure and go by and get it just right, but they've missed the music. That devil. (laughs) But we're a step ahead of that, right? Because that freedom has already been paid for for us, and so... Um, so back to our discussion about the indwelling of the spirit it seems as though it would be really hard and feel free to do it if you're brave to give a counter argument that the indwelling of the spirit is number one not personal not relational not meant for us doesn't benefit us along the way he functions as a counselor So let's talk about some of the things that the Spirit, and once again, we've got Scripture after Scripture after Scripture of the things that the Spirit does for us. Um, Let's go back to Romans 8. There is a passage there that I'd love to talk with you all about just a minute, talking about what the Spirit does. 
Romans 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit, capital S, helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. All right. So how does that work? That makes me think of that word that I read, advocate. Okay. Intercedes for us. He is our advocate. Okay. So it's like the relationship he and I have also affects my relationship elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Good. What does it mean he helps us in our weakness? What do you think? Which scripture was that? Uh, Romans 8, 26. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Can I read what the message says? Sure. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired and wait in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside us helping. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs for our aching groans. That's great. That is great. So does it address perhaps the thought that prayer is only happening when I stop and I say, Dear Lord, I launch into something and I Jesus name amen it on the back end. This sounds like maybe there's something going on outside of, well, those things are fine, something going on outside of that. How did it say? In our size and in our... It comes alongside us. Yeah. God's Spirit is right alongside helping us. Yeah. I mean, is that just not the best, most awesome thing? don't know how to pray, how, how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, there's no, you don't have to do it just right. He's he's connecting us with the Father, which goes back to that music of the day, right? So something happens, and you're going, man, I'm not sure what to do here. Spirit's just talking. He's talking to the Father. He's talking to you. There's this ongoing rhythm and relationship here. That's what indwelling of the Spirit is about, right? What where does conviction come in? Does anybody ever get a little, ooh, or an encouragement to perhaps do something or refrain from something? Or believe something. Mm -hmm. I I find that all the time that I have kept myself from believing the very precious promise of God in the Spirit. Wake up, right? Yeah. That's a good one. Absolutely. For me, I have a new rhythm in my life over the last couple of years where things that I believe there are lies, that I've, I've taken something and, and believed a lie, that I'll feel the Spirit say, did that come from me or did that come from the enemy? Or is that static He's created to keep you from hearing me? Because it's a lie I've bought into and it can be subtle, it can be little, or it can be something really big, but it's enough for him to say to me, 
Let's tweak that a bit. I think it's interesting if you read the rest. Um, in the New Living Translation, it says, and the Father knows all hearts, and knows what the Spirit is saying before the Spirit pleads for us believers. And it's done in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything God causes everything to work together. For the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For God knew his people in advance and chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them. Um, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. Isn't that a great passage? William, what a Basically, great the connection. Point, the point is, if I could have gotten through all that, was that, that he's doing what is happening in verse 26 because he's in control. Regardless, he's in control. <clears throat> I think it's it's interesting that the, that verse, he ties it all together with and I had not made that connection. Thank you. Because my Bible had a little <coughs> header there, so I just completely disconnected it. <laughs> Great connection, William, and you're you exactly know, right. I think one of the things that when we really get convinced that God's Spirit is dwelling in us, as the Bible says, then we don't ever have to doubt His presence with us. You know, and there's, 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 look, we take the words, I think we take the words of His indwelling in us uh, sometimes sort of as a private thing, you know, and, and in us, not with us, because it says alongside the message. And I think that's, that's, one of the, that's one of the things that every Christian ought to be conscious of is the Holy Spirit's presence in every, right now. Mm -hmm. In every situation of our lives. That's a great point. It's almost like we put on a big heavy coat. <laughs> like, come on, let's go. <laughs> it's that presence. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, yes, 100%. Um, I'll have to tell you something like this. reminds me of a lot. He says, I'll say something like, uh, at a, after a freedom prayer session, I'll say something like, God really showed up. Michael said, "No, he was already there." <laughs> <laughs> He's wonderful. been there the that's, whole time. That's, that was—he he, would—he was, he was uh, chastising me, but that was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> that I have, uh, I've got down now. There's not a lot of coming and going there. It's a yeah. constancy. <laughs> that's right. Jeannie, that I used to—I noticed in my own prayers, I would oftentimes say, "God, be with me." I mean, that was like a, for some reason a phrase that I would use a lot. And then I felt like God finally said, I am. Like, you don't have to keep asking me. I am. You be with me because I'm already in and surrounding and, right. and dwelling you. So you you be present. Yes. And so now I try to pray the opposite and say, God, help me to be with you. Yes. I promise you're here. I yes. And help me to see you here. Help me to help me to believe you're here. I know you're here. Or that I believe it helped my unbelief. Yeah. 
That's a great kind of changing that. You know, I think sometimes we we get the it's good to have the terminology of the Holy Spirit's presence because because the Godhead is three in one. Jesus is there and God is there, so we can talk about that presence in all three of those uh, manifestations. Yes, and we get kind of used to because of our experiences, maybe talking about. Maybe the Father more than the Son or more than the Spirit, but you're right. Okay, so here's three questions to ask yourself. If everything we've read is true and the other 258 verses are true, here's the first question. If God were to withdraw His Holy Spirit from my life and from this earth, would my spiritual life be altered? Yes. It would be for me. But I got to tell you, there was a time in my life I felt like my perception of him, it had been like, well, I guess I won't have a Bible anymore. But this is a, a sense of spiritual altering if we don't have the presence of the Spirit. Mike? I agree. Don't be messing up my class, Matt. No, I know. Since I'm picking on people today, I thought I might as well just share the love. Not really. One of the things that I think the Holy Spirit is helping me see now is that I didn't have to know that He was living with me. I don't even have to know that I'm in a relationship because He's there working anyway. And what I thought was my thoughts were actually His. And I just didn't know the difference. That's a good what, point. What is it that draws me to love someone who's in pain? Or to walk with someone who's in a terrible situation that requires a lot of time and energy? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what motivates me to want to share the gospel with someone? Uh, it, it wasn't because... I thought it was because I was a good Christian, but it wasn't... Christians, the Spirit was doing His thing. doing His thing. And that's, to me, what's so profound about all of this is that it doesn't matter who I am because the Spirit's going to do His work. I can be the biggest knucklehead in the world and the Spirit's still going to do his thing and make something good come out of it. Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, but it's not automatic. I mean, we have to be here. No. Well, there definitely is some acceptance and agreement to that. I th- I, when, I, when, I was, when I was listening to you, Mike, I was thinking that, that um, those times that you were recalling are are really truly manifestations of God's, of God's presence in you and, and, it, and it working through and the Spirit working through But you gotta you gotta know that there are times whenever you, know, you miss the opportunity to absolutely suffer. And sometimes sometimes I think if we say the Spirit is present in us and occupies us, that means we walks walks down the road and just Everything is hunky-dory, and we, mm-hmm. we never have a time when we are 
unaware of his presence and working on our own. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case. We're still, we still need, well, short of heaven, we still need that uh, repentance when we haven't acknowledged his, his presence and mm -hmm. haven't uh, allowed him to use us. And, and I think, like, like Mike was saying, I think we need to understand those surprise times when he did, when he was there and did things through us that uh, we might not have been aware of. Which is my second question. Got three questions. The second question is, what spiritual reality is there in my life that could not be duplicated by an unbeliever no matter how hard they tried? So we see lots of people doing good things and feeding hungry people or doing things that will tell you they're secular or atheist or agnostic or not doing it for spiritual reasons. So what is it in your life? What spiritual reality is there in my life that could not be duplicated by an unbeliever no matter how hard they tried? That's a personal question, but I think it would be something that, you know, two lives next to each other, both doing good things, but what is it that one has that the other... There's a consistency of longing want to do that because it's not because <clears throat> it's being done for personal acclaim or glory or glorification or whatever acknowledgement it's, it's being done out of a sense of love so, so <clears throat> over a certain period of time a person who has who loves Christ will maybe not hit every mark, but will consistently want to hit every mark. And the opportunities that arise where they're able to act, they will act. Whereas the person who's doing it for themselves may only pick and choose when they know they can receive the glory or the honor for what it was that they did. I, or even just feel good about right. helping somebody. But, it's kind of yeah. like the people that go, or um, when Jesus was in the temple watching the people put the money in, and they were putting large amounts of money in, not because they they felt compelled because of their love for God, they were doing it because they received adulation. Mm -hmm. And the woman that put in what she put in was what she had to put in. Mm -hmm. She did that at that moment because that's what she had to put in. Yes. And if it had been a if it had been a larger amount, she would have put in that larger amount. And so, regardless of who is there. She was functioning from, from her from heart her and heart. from love. Right. Yes. I think what William is saying is something we need to be very, very careful about. That we, that we uh, don't just assume because God's presence through his, is in us, with us, through the Holy Spirit, that every action we take is God ordained. Can't rule it at all. We well, can't. sure. Absolutely. That's the Spirit's role as well, is to refine and convict. Because what's his, what's his goal? To transform us into the image of Jesus, for us to be Jesus' kingdom people. Um, Mike? Um, well, the, I think also the Holy Spirit helps us to do things because it's the right thing to do, not because. 
I may or may, or may not want to do it. For yeah. instance, it's different now, but I still have a long ways to go. But you forgive because it's the right thing to do. And the Holy Spirit helps you do that because if I were living on my own, I wouldn't. Mm -mm. Matter of fact, I had a hard time forgiving people because I was afraid that God wouldn't get revenge the way I wanted to get revenge. <laughs> you were letting them off the hook? Yeah. And then, then I learned that there's, as soon as someone sin, sins, there's a consequence. So there's a penalty immediately. They don't have to be sent to hell. They're already paying the price the moment they commit the sin. And so, but at the time, it was just the right thing to do. And, there's, and there's a movement of the Spirit within you that says, this is what, what you need to do here. Or what we need to I do here. I want to do it. Mm -mm. But it's, it's what, it's what we need I, to I'm do. I'm just trusting God here because He said do it. I don't get it. I don't want to do it. Mm -mm. But He says do it. And it's for God's glory. That's yours. right. Well, I wasn't that far yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, which leads me to the third question. Great segue. What blatantly supernatural evidences of God leak through me? So it's that essence, and someone may not even name it, but it's there. What is it about if someone is around me, there's an evidence of God and the Spirit's working in my life that just kind of leaks out? Is it because I forgive in situations and they've seen it when it wouldn't have been the natural thing to do? Uh. Something we may struggle with this because we don't like talking about ourselves, you know. But I was in a freedom prayer session, and then and I was leading a lady in the freedom prayer session. And one of the things she struggled with was an eight in the enneagram, and because they're so judgmental, and went on and on and on and on. <laughs> and I'm sitting there the whole time going, "How about that? How about that? We just went through all that." And once God worked in His amazing way, and we got to the end, I said, oh, by the way, I'm an eight. And she was like, no way. <laughs> and so, yeah. that's, why, that's why I love the Enneagram, because it helps you to see what a healthy eight is. You don't have to change who God made you to be mm -mm. in the sense of your your makeup. When I read this question, I thought about the video I'm sure a lot of y'all saw of the brother of the man who was shot in Dallas accidentally by the woman who came home and thought somebody was in her house. Did y'all see that clip of that young man and what he hugging her and I have forgiven you and Jesus is, and I just thought, well, if anybody's faith had an opportunity to Talk about being able to say that out loud. And he said, my family's not going to like this. You know, to me, that's a major example of that. But for us, even in our day-to-day -day life, how we interact with a coworker, how we treat the person checking us out at Kroger, how we interact with our neighbors, 
Y'all know, I've, you've heard me say it a thousand times, you need to be the nicest neighbor on the street. If you're the crabby old woman that doesn't want kids in your yard, you are not going to draw them to Jesus, right? So those are the things. <laughs> you guys are off the hook over here. I guess I was talking to me. The only old woman in the room. What blatantly supernatural evidence, evidences of God leak through me? And the word leak is the point, right? It just kind of comes out naturally. Yes, Charlie. I think a lot of it, I remember a small one, Josh, reference, Garrison Matthews, because I've known him since he was a freshman in high school. Yes. Because he went to Franklin High School as well. Uh, and I think in our faith, we feel like we have to do such big things. Yes. But I remember, if you don't know, he didn't start coming to Otter Creek early like all the way through so when he was a freshman i remember he started interacting with the youth group and i was a senior at the time and he made this point and he was happy to see me and all this kind of stuff and i was like i noticed you don't come here that much why and he said i saw how you interacted at franklin high school oh. and it kind of opened the door to so I think we get too fixed up of oh I gotta you know challenge people when they say something about my faith or do something big yes when it's not necessarily always like that no no great point and I think it's like it leaks <laughs> it leaks but people are impacted when the Spirit of God, when we allow Him to manifest how we treat others, even how we treat ourselves, how we talk about ourselves. There's a joy, and there's a lightness, and it's somebody going by the music, right? That's, that's what people are drawn to, ultimately, hopefully, to a relationship with the Lord. Okay, y'all go. It's time. Thank you.